church there's this like this is what a christian looks like and normally it's not a biblical view it's like this is just how we think christians are supposed to act and so everyone becomes kind of like a cookie cutter but really if you read your bible especially the book of ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says that all of us are god's workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works which god prepared beforehand that we would walk in and what that means is god uses different people in different ways god made you just who you are with the millions of details that make you you. And your million things are different from your friends or families or neighbors' million things. You're you. And God wants you to follow uniquely after Him. He's not looking for a cookie-cutter Christian. He wants you to seek Him and love people in the ways that others can't do because they're not you. Today, Pastor Daniel will help you see how great a blessing this can be. Here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 33 as he continues his message, Final Blessings. Now, in verse 12, we get the blessing to the tribe of Benjamin. Of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, who shelters him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. What a beautiful picture this is. Benjamin is one who's loved by God. Should dwell in safety by him, close to God's presence. Of course, when I read that, I immediately thought of beautiful Psalm 23, right? How the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He lays me down in green pastures. My cup overflows. This picture of the benefits of being in the presence of God. This idea of that he shall dwell between his shoulders. What's between your shoulders? There's one vital organ. There's the lungs and there's the what? The heart. Yeah, you get it, right? It's a Hebrew way of saying, be in his heart. And God wants us to be in those places that we dwell safely and close to him. God wants to be our shelter. Now, verses 13 to 17, of course, we get the blessing for Joseph. And of course, if you remember that Joseph, he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, when he was in Egypt. And Jacob actually adopted Ephraim and Manasseh. So if you ever look at any of the lists of the 12 tribes, anytime you get these blessings, sometimes Levi doesn't get something and Ephraim and Manasseh gets it. Sometimes Ephraim and Manasseh get it and someone else doesn't get it. And so it's a really fascinating reality. For those of you who like kind of to geek out on your Bible, I'm kind of Bible nerd in my own fun way. And so what you realize is that in a lot of ways, although there's 12 tribes, there's really 13 And what's really fascinating is that the same thing goes on in the New Testament because Jesus chooses 12 disciples. Obviously, Judas commits suicide, is no longer there, and then they bring on Matthias, and then the Apostle Paul shows up. So people argue, like, well, was Matthias really? Was Paul really? It's both. It's 13, just like the 12 tribes, but then there's 13 because Jacob adopts Ephraim and Manasseh. And so if you want to have fun with that, you can geek out on all that stuff. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Just keep tracking, we'll keep going. 
But of course you have Joseph, verse 13, it says, and of Joseph, he said, blessed of the Lord is his land with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and with the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with a the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of him who was separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horns of a wild ox. Together with them, he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Now, you notice how it says, blessed of the Lord is his land, right? And then you notice a reoccurring phrase. It's that word, precious. Over and over again, the precious things of heaven, the precious fruit of the sun, the precious produce of the month, the best things of the ancient mountains, the precious things of the ever, the precious things of the earth. See, this speaks of God's abundant blessings in the life of Joseph and in the life of you and me. See, God wants to bestow on us the best of things. And we've already talked about this a little bit as we see the blessings of God. But he wants us to enjoy the things in front of us, to see the things as God's bountiful blessings in our lives. Let blessings come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of him who was separate from his brothers. Now, if you remember when we studied the book of Genesis together, or if you've studied on your own, that Joseph was the firstborn of Jacob's bride, Rachel, who he had. I always get Rachel and Rebecca screwed up in my head. But Rachel, so I said Rachel, I'm like, Rebecca, Rachel. She was barren for so long, but then Joseph was born. And Jacob had a preference for Joseph. Remember, he gave him Joseph that multicolored jacket. And it created a lot of issues with his brothers, so much so that they really didn't like him. And then on top of it, Joseph started having all these dreams. And he was telling them, you're all going to bow down to me. And all these older brothers like, we're going to kill you. And they tried. They threw him in a pit. They decided they weren't going to kill him. They were going to sell him into slavery. And if you remember, God was in all of this to make sure Joseph ended up in Egypt so that he would be in the right place when the Pharaoh had a dream and he would interpret that dream and he would rise into power and God would use this unique wisdom that he'd given to Joseph that Joseph might not only save the people in Egypt but also his own family and many people. But Joseph was not one who went along with the crowd. He was different. And I think willing to be separate in a conformist culture is a lost art that I think the people of God need to find again. Because what goes on, I think, is that there's so much pressure to be like everybody else. And what happens is, is it happens in the world, and then the church conforms to the world, which makes no sense. But then what happens is it also goes on in church, too. Where what happens is in church, there's this, like, this is what a Christian looks like. And normally, it's not a biblical view. It's like, this is just how we think Christians are supposed to act. And so everyone becomes kind of like a cookie cutter. But really, if you read your Bible, especially the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, it says that all of us are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. And what that means is God uses different people in different ways. 
you can always tell when somebody is being uniquely who Jesus made them to be because it will always create issues. Let me give you a great example of this biblically. The Apostle Paul. The early church was predominantly Jewish because Jesus was Jewish and he was a fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures. But God gave the apostle Paul a vision to see the Gentiles come to know the Messiah. And right away, all these issues start. I mean, the early church had the Jerusalem council because the apostle Paul was going out and all these Gentiles were getting saved. Like, what do we do with the Gentiles? And then all of a sudden, well, if they're going to be really Christian, they need to become circumcised. They need to eat kosher and all these things. And all of a sudden, the fights began because now all of a sudden, God is doing a work outside of what was the proper conformity that was supposed to be. But what you find if you read church history as well is that, and I'm not talking about just being individualistic for individualistic sake. I need to nuance that, don't I? Because really easy, I was like, well, I'm going to be unique and I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no, it's in Christ. The uniqueness is in Christ. But all through church history, every church movement began with somebody who was willing to go against acceptable conformity in the pursuit of Jesus every time. And now all of a sudden, everyone gets excited about it later, but in the beginning, they try and suppress it. And it happens all the time, whether you're talking about Augustine, whether you're talking about the first set of mystics who went out into the desert because the Christian church had become a social gathering for the Roman Empire, whether it's someone like Francis of Assisi who began to move amongst the poorest of the poor to see the gospel run forth, whether it's the Reformation, and there's not only, we know Martin Luther with his theses, but, you know, whether it's in Switzerland, in Geneva, all these, in all these different, in Germany, there was Reformation going on in every European country when they were getting back to the Bible. And even to the point, like when I look at, Crossroads, our history is Calvary Chapel, and when all of a sudden there was contemporary Christian music and verse-by-verse Bible teaching, people were freaking out, and they're like, that Calvary Chapel thing's all messed up. I mean, they have Doritos and Pepsi for communion. I mean, this is not okay, because it was different, and now every church has got contemporary worship, and you know, and it's like, but at that time, everyone was mad about it, and so the key to make sure is that we want to be uniquely who God has made us to be. You know, and that's one of the things I love about the body of Christ is that every church is different. Different churches have different things that they're getting at. And as long as we can agree on who Jesus is, I think that we should be okay with it. Like I meet people all the time and they're like, well, crossroads this. I'm like, look, I'm not saying we do it the best way. We just do what we feel like we're supposed to do. And we're not going to worry about like, we can't do everything. No one can do everything. You can only do, this is what we're supposed to do. And we love getting at what God is asking us to get at. And I have no problems to get, there's a million other things we can do, but this is what we're called to do. And if we focus on what we're called to do, and all of God's people focus on what they're called to do, guess what? All the work of God's kingdom gets done. But what happens is when everyone says, well, I do it this way, now you have to do it this way, now all of a sudden a whole bunch of things don't get done because people are conforming over. So we want to be separate. We want to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do. And Joseph was a great example of that. Now, what's also interesting here is that we also learn by the time we get to the end of verse 17, they are the 10,000s of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. Now, although Manasseh was really the firstborn son, Ephraim took the preeminence, grew. If you get into the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, when they talk about the 10 northern tribes, 
They call it Ephraim oftentimes because it was the largest of the northern tribes. And so it is interesting that all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, there is that distinction of you're seeing that Ephraim is going to have numerically more people than his older brother Manasseh. Now, Zebulun and ultimately Issachar mixed in here, verses 18 and 19, it says, and of Zebulun, he said, rejoice Zebulun in your going out and Issachar in your tents. They shall call the peoples to the mountains. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness for they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hidden in the sand. So the idea for Zebulun and Issachar is to rejoice in your going out. Now, no, I want you to do, I want you to take your pen, I want you to reach over and I want you to circle that in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead, just, just circle that. Rejoice in your going out. So listen, the encouragement for me in this blessing is everywhere you go, go with joy. Find a reason to rejoice as you go. Because when you are willing to be joyful in a world that isn't joyful, you stick out like a sore thumb, which is exactly what we want. See, we want to be people who are known for our joy. Why? Because as Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is what? Is your strength. God is the most joyful person you'll ever meet. The cross was all about the joy that was set before Jesus. That because of the joy that was set before me, endured the cross, despising the shame, he seat down at the right hand of the Father. So we want to be people who rejoice. And you don't need pleasant circumstances to rejoice. Because in the end of the day, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Why? Because all things are working together good for those who love God, for those who are the called according to his purpose. And we can rejoice, even if we don't understand it, we can still say, Lord, I don't get it, but I praise you. And of course, Job said it. I think it was Matt Redman who wrote it into a very famous now Christian song. You give and you take away, but either way, I'm going to say, blessed be your name. The idea is learning how to rejoice no matter what. So verse 20, 21, we see the blessings to the tribe of Gad. Blessed is he who enlarges Gad, who dwells as a lion, and tears the arm in the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there. He came with the heads of people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. So the blessing for Gad, of course, is it focuses on Gad's strength, the strength at which Gad functioned. Now, what's interesting is Gad was one of two and a half tribes who settled on the east side of the Jordan. And oftentimes they were the first line of defense when marauding armies or nations were coming against the children of Israel because they were on the east side of the Jordan. And what we find is that Gad became very well known for its strength militarily. And very much, remember when they just asked to be on the east side of the Jordan the statement was, you can, but you have to make sure you go into the land and fight with your brethren to make sure you get the land, and then you can come on back. And Gad was always up for that. You'll find all the way through, as we study the book of Joshua together, that Gad fulfilled that and always fought hard for their people and for the children of Israel. But I love this idea, blessed is he who enlarges Gad. So the idea here is the person, not only is Gad blessed with their military strength and their protective abilities, but those who bless 
them who is a blessing. So again, we find this idea of they're adding value. Blessed is the person who adds value to the tribe of Gad. Now, verse 22, we get the blessings on the tribe of Dan. And as of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. And so, again, the idea of a lion's cub, a lion's whelp, who's leaping at a prey. And so the idea is that Dan is precocious, that Dan is the kind of people who were quick to jump into it. And isn't that a good word? Are you the kind of person that when God says, come on, you say, okay, let's go. When there's an opportunity to be involved, you're like, okay, let's do it. We have always said it here this way. People ask me all the time, I want to be in ministry. How do I get into ministry? I always say the same thing. Show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. Because the idea of just being willing to just say yes, just say there's an opportunity, I'll do it, great. And this is real in my own life because that's how I ended up in the ministry. Because literally, like, I mean, it was just like I was at a church and I'm reading the Bible, it says be a servant. I'm like, okay, be a servant. Like, we need someone to dust the fake plants in the sanctuary. Now, you notice we have no fake plants in here. You notice that, right? Because I'm like, I'll do it. And for me, it was like an act of worship. It's like, I figured, man, if the people of God are going to praise in this room, then those fake plastic plants better be really shiny for Jesus. You know, and so I did that stuff, you know? And then they're like, well, we need someone to put labels on the tapes. And I'm like, man, the word of God's going to go on this. Remember, for those of you kids, the tapes, they're plastic things. They have tape in it. They used to put music on it. And it would flip over in the middle of a song. You remember that stuff? For those of you who don't know, it'll come back. Records are back in now. Give it about 10 years. Cassette tapes will be back. And if you kept your cassette tapes, all your Boston and Kansas cassette tapes, you'll have them. I would put labels on the tapes and like, I was like, they had to be perfect. It was like a little OCD of me. Because I, like, I knew the word of God was going to go on that. And I was doing that. And they're like, hey, you know, you're kind of friendly. You want to be a greeter? Okay. You know, and everything, I just would say, yes. You want to teach a Bible study? Really? Yeah, you should teach it. I'm like, uh, okay. You know, I go to the leader. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? He's like, well, put notes together and we'll talk about it. And he's like, these are pretty good, you know? And every step of the way, I just said yes. And, and then I found myself, I go, hey, you know, why don't you come on staff as an intern? Uh, really? Okay, you know? You, you teach small groups. I was teaching four small groups at one time. Because no one else, they're like, well, what? They're like, why are you doing four? I'm like, well, they keep asking. <laughs> but I got to learn the word. I just kept saying yes. I'm in the word all day. I'm studying the word. And then before I know it, the pastor's like, hey, you want to fill in for me on a Wednesday night? I'm like, whoa. But I kept saying yes. And oftentimes, that's how it happens. Just being a lion's whelp. Just being, okay, let's do it. You know, it's like, what is a lion's whelp going to do against a larger animal? Not a whole lot. But you're in the mix. Right? And I think that's what God really wants. When we are willing to say yes and to be precocious in that way, not be too cool for school. Well, no, listen, I'll only do it if you pay me and I get to be the boss and all this stuff. It's like, no, I just want to, I want to be involved. Because in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing. And I'll be honest with you, I've been doing this for 20 years. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're willing to be in the midst of it. And as you're in the midst of all this stuff, you're learning all these things. And you're getting all these experiences. And you're learning all these things that don't make any sense. If you're willing to learn and jump in, all these things start to unravel in your heart. Where you're like, oh, 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 you know. And then before you know it, you actually have some experience. And people are like, hey, how'd you do that? You're like, but we want to be those type of precocious people, jumping right on in. Now, verse 23, 
And of Naphtali, he said, Oh, Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the West and the South. I love this. Oh, now satisfied with favor and the blessings of the Lord. Oh, it reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. They shall be satiated. Are you allowing yourself to be satisfied with the favor of Lord? Satisfied with favor. You are favored by God if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. His favor rests upon your life. Now, we just have a few more to go. Notice what it says, verse 24. We have the tribe of Asher. Asher is the most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. As your days, so shall your strength be. Now, the name Asher literally means blessed or happy. And so the idea is that Asher is going to experience amazing blessings. The idea of letting him dip his foot in oil. Oil was a very precious commodity. Not to soothe your feet with, right? It was a big deal. And so, so, but the idea of him being getting to dip his toes in the oil, it all speaks of God's amazing blessing. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. Now, I know that might sound kind of heavy, but in that day, the sandals were very, very brittle. And so the idea of you can walk on something that is absolutely sturdy. So again, it speaks of the blessings that God wants to bestow upon him. Now, as I close this, we have this beautiful little closing here. And really what it does is it brings to a close a lot of the sayings of Moses. So as we move into chapter 34, we're going to see Moses going home to be with the Lord. And we're going to see Joshua begin to be the leader. And so we get this beautiful flourish ending, verse 26 There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Now, again, Jeshurun means the word the righteous, who rides the heavens to help you. And in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety the fountain of Jacob alone in the land of grain and new wine, his heaven shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. So we close with an overarching reality that there is no one like the God of Israel. There's no one who is like the God that Moses has served his entire life, that these tribes find their familial linkage through. He rides on the heavens to help his excellency on the clouds. I mean, all this is just beautiful picture of who the Lord is. The eternal God is your refuge. The word satisfied brings to mind sleepy babies who've just eaten. Their bellies are full and they're relaxed and content. Well, today, Pastor Daniel unpacked the many blessings that Moses poured over the tribes of Israel. You are encouraged to consider if you, like the tribe of Naphtali, are satisfied with the favor and blessing of the Lord. 
Are you aware of all he's given you and satisfied by that? Or do you look to other things to fill you up? Pastor Daniel reminded you that there's no one like the God of Israel. Only he is able to satisfy you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Come back again when Pastor Daniel will continue this study of Deuteronomy with a look at the end of the life of Moses. You'll see that God's timing is often different than what you would want or expect. But as Pastor Daniel will share, there's great blessing in surrendering your agenda and leaning into the Lord's. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.